Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, I was told by somebody earlier, they said, you know, today's not Christmas, which I thought was very helpful, and that reminded me, actually, I said, of a, of a, of a dad joke, because you think back in Genesis, whenever Adam, remember what he said to his wife? He said, Merry Christmas, Eve. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, how many of you have already opened your Christmas presents? Any of you that have already done that? Like just, you're just, you're, you've done it. Nobody? Nobody has done that in the first service. We had quite a few. Okay, there we go, Steve. A couple more. Just... Okay, very good. Thank you for your honesty. Does that feel good just to kind of confess it? Or did you get it what you wanted? <laughs> I'm glad you said yes. The people on your row really are glad you said yes. How many of you are going to open them later tonight? A few of you? Okay. All right, how many of you tomorrow? Tomorrow's the day. That's when you're going to make it all happen. Nice, nice. All right, so let me ask you this. Your favorite entree for Christmas dinner you could have anything in the world, maybe you're planning to have it or what you would want to have more than anything else. What would that thing be? Would you just shout it out on the count of three? One, two, three. I heard somebody say lasagna. That sounds great. Yeah, way to go. Right over here on the count of three, I didn't hear you say it. One, two, three. I heard somebody say steak. That was strong. They're very good, Dennis, of course. All right, right here on the count of three, what would you like to go for? One, two, three. Lasagna. Lasagna, wow, there's a theme here. How about here, one, two, three, shout it out. Pizza. I love it, that sounds good. Well, you know, this is the time of year, isn't it, where there's all these traditions, or maybe you're thinking there are these things that I just enjoy, I look forward to. There are things that I like to do, and in the joy of it all, there are also some people this Christmas that it's especially difficult because of who is missing or because of what is broken in their life or because of what they're wrestling with internally. And it's almost as if somebody's joy magnifies their pain, isn't it? So over the month of December, we've been going through this series called God With Us because we believe that is the theme of Christmas at the end of the day are these three words. God, regardless of what you're going through, is with you. Now, today, what I want us to talk about is what I believe a cornerstone of our Christianity that most of us don't understand or most of us can't explain. Now, if you're new here, maybe you aren't sure about faith, you have a different faith background, if you even wanna believe, but you're here, I just wanna say we are so grateful that you're here and you are welcome here. But I just wanna invite you to go on this journey tonight as we consider the cornerstone of Christianity that most Christians can't explain. And here is that belief that we wrestle with over and over again. It, it is that Jesus was both God and man. I mean, after all, doesn't that just sound like that's impossible? How can you be God and man? And to make it a little more interesting or complicated, we have a theologian, theological term that we just call it the incarnation. In fact, we sang about it earlier, didn't we? We talked about the incarnate deity. And this is the cornerstone of our faith that all of us recognize, but few of us can explain or fully understand. Now, maybe instead of even starting with what is it, we ought to ask 
Why does it matter? Like you're gonna go to work, you're gonna have lasagna for Christmas, I hope, your life's gonna be good, but then why does this matter anyway? What, what is the point of the incarnate deity? And here's what I know about all of us in this room. When we walked in tonight, we carried with us, maybe we had a facade of security and confidence, but as you sit there, in your honest moments, you would recognize something about you. You aren't enough. There is something missing in your life. And this is where the incarnation comes in. This is where it makes all the difference in the world. And I wanna tell you, in those really quiet places in your heart, the incarnation can make all the difference. So I want you to know it because it's critical in making an eternal difference in your life. So with that said, what I want us to do is really go back where the incarnation was introduced in scripture. In the New Testament, chapter one, we see it for the first time. Really, you know what it is? It's the Christmas story. After all, you've bothered to come to a Christmas Eve service. Surely we should look at the Christmas story. So if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna look at it together. It's in Matthew chapter one. It'll come up on the screen. You can just read it there if you like. Matthew chapter one, we'll begin in verse 18. <clears throat> and we'll see what it says. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. The Christmas story goes like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, or the chosen one, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In fact, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And I want all of us to read the rest of this sentence out loud together because you say, what's Christmas about? Why did Jesus come to earth? Here it is, say it out loud with me. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, you got it? You felt a little more confident now. I want you to say it with your out loud voice and let's read it again together. Say it with me. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came to earth. Now the rest of that is, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Here's the good news tonight. Because Jesus came to earth, God is with you. And some of us need to hear that tonight. So would you encourage somebody beside you right now and just say this to them, God is with you. Say that to them if you would. Now with that said, we see the incarnation, we see the Christmas story, and now we come back to our question, okay, but what is the incarnation? Well, I think because it is complicated and there are multifacets to it that we'll never fully exhaust, we ought to go to the source of all wisdom and knowledge, Wikipedia, okay? 
And let's see if they can help us simplify the definition of the incarnation. Here it is. They say, in Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existing divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God, the Son, and the Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary the Theotokos, The doctrine of the incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, two natures joined in hypostatic union. Is that clear now? Right? Like, what? It's no wonder. We believe it's an anchoring part of our faith, and yet few can explain it because this is where we kind of just kind of go, we toss our hands in the air and say, I believe it's important, I just don't understand it. I think a real simple definition, which doesn't fully explain, but gets us closer when we say, well, what is the incarnation? It is that Jesus was both man and God. Jesus was both man and God. Now, I I believe this is so important that, again, it's mysterious, it's magical, it's beautiful, and it is life-changing. But I don't want us to miss it because I believe it's that critical. And so I was thinking, how could we just make this more accessible and how it impacts our life? And I was thinking this past week because my brother-in-law and his wife just announced to our family that they're having their second child. And then my nephew and his wife just announced to our family that they're having their second child. And, and, and we already have some nieces and nephews. And now we're going to have more. They're more on the way. And, and they're going to eventually get a little bit older. And I was thinking, you know, as they're all gathered around, if God ever gave me the opportunity to share the incarnation with them, that Jesus was both man and God, how would I explain it to them? And I begin to think of of a framework to try and share the incarnation. And I want to try it out on you tonight, okay? So instead of my nieces and nephews, it's going to be us together tonight. And if you'll allow a little creative license, what I want to set up is a conversation that could have happened, it didn't happen, but it could have happened 2,000 years ago between God the Father and his son Jesus just before Jesus went to earth where God is inviting him onto the greatest mission of all time and then describes what he will go through on earth. Now before we get started, let me just say, super clear here, this never happened, okay? This conversation, because Jesus is God the Son, he's all-knowing. However, the contents of the conversation did happen, and we want this to be as accessible as possible, so if you'll allow for that kind of creative license there. So if you would, right now, would you go in your imagination, in your mind's eye, and travel back 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, envision that somehow, some way, you're allowed to be in heaven, in all of eternal heaven. And there you can see a mass of angels that have gathered around. And you don't exactly know what's going on, but you can feel the anticipation of some announcement that they're referencing. And you see a bright light coming from the middle of this crowd of angels. And somehow, some way, we begin to kind of make our way to the crowd and through, and it dawns on us, it is God the Father. It is Jesus, God the Son. And they're in a conversation, and we're just going to listen in on this 2,000-year-old conversation as God begins to look at his son, and he begins to say, Son, I want to invite you into a mission that will change all of eternity because the people need to be rescued from their sins. Let me explain how it will work. 
Son, first you will go to earth, and I've already chosen a woman, and she is pure. She is lovely. Her name is Mary. You're going to love her as your mom. I've also chosen a man, though I will continue being your heavenly father. He will be your earthly father, like a stepdad, and he's a good man, and his name is Joseph. And here's the way it's going to begin. I will send you to earth in the womb of the Virgin Mary, who you will be born after being carried for nine months so that you are fully man. And yet I will be your real father so that you are fully God. You are divine, you are human, you are God, you are man. One of the angels listening in the background raises its wing and says, now wait a minute, why couldn't you have just sent a stork or something? Why is nine months in a womb? God laughs and he says, ah, there's an important reason why Jesus is going to be sent into a womb for nine months. And it's because she, she will give him manhood, but I will give him godhood. Therefore, this will be the incarnation. This will be God and man. Now, son, as you go down there, just know a lot of people are going to expect because you're a king, they're going to think that you're going to go down into a palace with all the trappings because you are the king of kings and it would be palatial. However, I've chosen a modest cave and surrounded by some farm animals. And for the first time, Jesus interrupts God and says, I get it. It's because you want this salvation to be for everyone, not just the rich and the powerful, but for the poor and the marginalized and the outcast. You want this salvation for everyone. It's for the saving of all people's sins. And God says, exactly. But I've got to let you know, Jesus from day one, when you show up on the scene, all of hell will oppose you and demons will be unearthed in ways they have never been released. In fact, from day one, King Herod himself will go and have all little boys under the age of two trying to have them murdered simply because he's coming after you. That's the kind of opposition you can expect. You and your family will have to run down to Egypt and eventually come back, but the opposition will not end. It will last throughout your life. And when you feel opposed, son, just know this, I'll be with you. You're gonna have a good dad. He's gonna be a carpenter. We'll make a lot of money, but he'll help a lot of people. And the very wood with which you'll watch him form tables, the Romans will eventually use to form a cross upon which you will pay for their sins. Now, as you become an adult, what will eventually happen is you will see that your words change things, that you have the ability for miracles, that you speak and supernatural things happen these miracles will begin with your very first one at a wedding when you will turn water into sweet tea. No, check that. Let's turn it into wine and let them debate it for a lot of years. Now that was a little too much creative license in the story. Let's go back to it. But Jesus, you will heal the deaf. You will heal the blind. You will raise the dead. You will heal broken hearts. And all along the way, people will reject you. 
You'll love them, they'll reject you. People will call you a liar. People will call you a, 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 a lunatic. People will call you crazy. People will say you're a drunkard. People will say you're my enemy. You'll keep loving them and they'll keep rejecting you. And I just wanna know when you feel rejected, I am with you. And I'll be with you every step of the way. Now, just know this. You're gonna have some friends You'll have, in fact, 12 disciples who will walk with you and you'll invest in and you'll love them and they will be so loyal to you until the day that they're not. In fact, there will be one, his name is Peter, and he'll be kind of bold, he'll be kind of a loud one. And he's the one who eventually will say, I would never, never deny you. Yet toward the end, in front of an eight-year-old girl, he will deny you and say he never knew you. He'll do it again and again. And son, that is gonna really hurt. But I just want you to know when you're really hurting, I'll be with you. And then on that final supper, our supper, the Lord's supper, when you hand out the bread and the wine, you'll eventually give some of that to Judas. And when you hand him the bread, he will leave to go and betray you. And when he betrays you, he will indicate it when he comes back and he gives you a kiss on the cheek, all for a few pieces of silver. And you're going to feel all alone. And son, when you feel all alone, I want you to know I am with you, even there. But it will go from bad to worse. Because you're going to go in a garden, a garden of Gethsemane. And there, you're going to feel so overwhelmed, taking on the sins of the past, present, and the future. And it's there in the garden where you will actually cry to me and say, Dad, is there any other way? Son, you have to go to the cross to pay for their sins. And in love and obedience, you will look back to me and you will say, not my will, but your will be done. And then they will arrest you. Son, with your bare back, they will beat you repeatedly over and over again to the place that you will no longer be recognizable as a human being. And then they will take you and attach you to an instrument of torture known as a cross. And there they will take a spike in each wrist and you will cry out with agony from the pain that you feel. And they will take another spike and drive your feet into that cross and you will cry out in agony from the pain that you feel. And then they will stand you up on that cross and the very people that you and I created will mock their creator. They will spit in your face and they will say, hail, hail, king of the Jews. If you're able to save yourself, come down off of that cross. And then you will look up at me and you will say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And to accomplish this mission, you will stay on that cross, paying for their sins. And just before your last breath, you will say, it is finished. Mission accomplished. Oh, and then, just so everyone knows for sure, they'll bury you. Three days later, the stone will be rolled away and some women will come to that tomb and they will see not only is the stone moved, but you yourself are gone because you'll be home. You'll have risen, you'll ascend here with me. Son, here's the question. Are you up for that mission?
even if it includes all of that. And I believe heaven holds its breath in that conversation. And Jesus, in all of his love, with a strong internal resolution, looks at his father and says, yes, I am willing. Because we can't show our love from heaven. We can't shout it from heaven. No, we must show it on earth. And I will go and let them know how much you love them. And when I do, I will give them a command and a mission that they can follow. And then I will end it by saying, we will be with you always. I want them to know what I will discover, Jesus would say. I want them to know when they're hurting, you're with them. I want them to know when they're lonely, you're with them. That when they feel overwhelmed, that you're with them. I will go and I understand that my mission is to seek and to save the lost, to leave the 99 and go after the one, to not go after the righteous but the unrighteous, to not go after the healthy but the sick, and to give them life and give them life more abundantly. I am in, I will go for your glory so that they know just how much you love them and you will be with them wherever they go. That is the message of the good news. And I think that's how I would tell my nephews and nieces. And I think you and I live in the 21st century and we've probably heard that story before. You know what we're wondering? Yeah, but I'm still wrestling with all the things in my life that aren't what I thought they would be. And you're trying to make your life better just like I am. And you're not getting quite where you thought you would get. And we end up with this great big blank in our life that says you plus and blank. The truth is it's never enough. We, we want to be someone who can experience the better car, the bigger house, the better marriage, or to get married, or the better financial situation. And what we always find out is it's never enough. It never gives us what we're after. And the incarnation does this to you and it does this to me. It says you plus God is enough. That when you have him, you have all that you need. And he makes a promise to you and a promise to me. And that he will be with you wherever you go, just like he was with his son. And this changes everything when I recognize, whether I feel it, whether someone tells me differently, I can trust that my God always keeps his word. And he will always be with me. You see, God with us, here's what it means. It means that you are enough with God. You are enough. When you walked in this room, you are enough with him. Not because of what you've done, not because of what you hope to do, and despite what you may have done, you are enough because of who he is and the fact that he, through his son, has already demonstrated his love for you on the cross. You are deeply, deeply loved. So we go back to the question, okay, yeah, but what is the incarnation? Okay, it's Jesus is both man and God, and then we're reminded God with us means that you are enough with God. And here's what I wanted to tell you. You will never be alone. You can't be alone. The presence of God is always with you 
everywhere. It's with you in the hospital. His presence is with you in the funeral home. His presence is with you when you're paying your bills, when you're in the job uh, application process, whenever you're struggling, whenever you're wondering about your marriage in your middle of the night, you wake up with the burden of this season. He is with you in those moments. You can never be where he isn't with you. And here's the really good news. That means you can never be forsaken. That means whenever you're afraid, he's your strength. That means whenever you're grieving, he's your comfort. Whenever you're sick, he's your healer. Whenever you have the anxiety, he is your peace. And whenever you're lost, he is your savior. He is with you wherever you go. And it makes all the difference in the world this Christmas to know that you can never go outside of the presence of God. He is with you. And he's with you tonight. He's gonna be with you the rest of this week. And in the new year, whatever it holds that we don't know, but we do know this, he will be with you. And here's what I wanna do. I want us to create a, a moment where we can just pray together. And I want to ask you, if you would do me a favor, would you just close your eyes and maybe even lower your head? I want to give an opportunity for you to just, just respond with what's on your heart tonight. And let me just ask you a question. Maybe you came in tonight and you recognize, man, this is just a difficult season. And I need the presence of God. I just want to pray for you tonight. So while everyone's eyes are closed... Would you do me a favor, if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Right here in the privacy of this moment. Yep, I see you, I see you, I see you. Who else? Just raise your hand. Yeah, many of us. Now, let me ask another group of you who might be here tonight and you're thinking, well, I don't necessarily have anything I'm going through that's unusual, but however, I need his presence. I wanna experience his presence in a new and fresh way. I didn't raise my hand the first time, but that's my desire. If that's you with every eyes still closed, would you just raise your hand right now? You want to experience the presence of God in a fresh way. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, many of us, many of us, yeah. I want to pray for you, and there's one other group I would like to talk with. But first, let me pray for you. God, whether we're in need or blessing right now, we need your goodness. Father, we need you. And I pray for those who are hurting, who are desperate, who are afraid, who are fearful, who are lonely, who are battling something physical, who are battling something financial. God, I pray that you would reveal your presence to them and, and once again, just let them see hope. Let them experience forgiveness and your grace and, and most of all, your peace in this season through your presence being made known to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, would you just keep your eyes closed for just one more minute? Because I think there are some of you who are here tonight who would say, you know what? I go to church every now and then, but it's not very often. And I would say, I know of God. I know who he is, but I don't have a personal relationship with God. And maybe you hear this story and there's just something inside of you that's just drawn to that. And you can't put your finger on it. Can I tell you, I believe it's the presence of God with you, drawing you to himself. He's a good God and this is the way he draws us. Oh, he loves you. He will fill that void within you. And I just want to remind you 
that all of us have sinned. And heaven's never going to be full of good people. It's just going to be full of forgiven people. People who need a savior who paid their sins. And so tonight, I believe God is inviting you to say yes, yes to your forgiveness, yes to your grace, yes I give my life to you. I don't want you to make uh, me just a better person, but to make me a new person. Old things become new. And maybe you're ready to say, I need his grace, and I wanna give my life to him. If that's you in the privacy of this moment, would you raise your hand here tonight and just indicate that yes, I wanna give my life to this Jesus. I wanna surrender to him tonight. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, who else? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you tonight. Yes. I want to do something a little bit different. I, I, I think as we close together tonight, I, I want to invite all of us into a prayer. This is a prayer that you may have prayed before, or tonight might be your first time to pray this prayer. It's a step of courage to pray this prayer, so I'm going to ask all of us to pray it together to simply be an encouragement to others who are here tonight, who have indicated they are ready to say yes to Jesus right here, right now. There's nothing magic about this prayer, but it's an opportunity for you to cross the line of faith and once and for all say, I'm responding to you drawing me, God. I'm saying yes to you tonight. So I want to ask you, just while you remain seated right there, we're going to put this prayer on the screen out loud. Would all of us just say this prayer together? Because some people in this room are about to pray this prayer, and it's going to make all the difference in their life as they say yes to Jesus. Would you say this out loud with me? Read this together. Today, I trust you to forgive me of all my sins and make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not mine. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Some of you prayed that prayer for the first time, and I just want to say I believe the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. And can we just welcome them to the family of God who prayed that prayer for the first time? Amen. I also want to say this, there's a card in the, the, the pew in front of you. If you'll take that out, if you've made a decision tonight, you want to communicate to us, we would love that. We're not going to come see you or anything. We're going to send you an email with some steps so that we can pray for you, but also some steps you can take to grow in your relationship with this wonderful God. So if you fill that card out, you can drop it in the black box on the way out, or there's a, a, just a guest information booth out in the middle of this lobby here. You can drop it there if you would like. But would you fill that out so that we can pray for you and we can celebrate with you what God is doing in your life tonight. Now, I want to ask you all to stand because we're going to sing again. And as we do, this is an opportunity for us to really reflect on who he is and all that he has done to be with you and to show you his goodness. May we sing to our great God tonight. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.